everybody this morning, especially all the visitors. We welcome you uh, here with us at Memorial. Why don't you stand with us and we'll sing the call to worship, Surely the Presence. It's been six weeks now. Um, some of the ladies in the church have been doing a Bible study called Walk by Faith. And during this Bible study, the, um, Jennifer Rothschild, the lady who is, has written this, and um, we're watching DVDs of her perform and, and to speak to us, she is actually a singer and a songwriter and um, plays the piano. And some of her favorite hymns she's been singing throughout the Bible study. I thought this is our last week of, of Bible study, so I thought what better way to end that because um, it's been such a blessing to me, than to sing some of the songs that she, um, that she, Jennifer Rothschild has, has known and loved and, and songs that we know and love as well. Um, we're going to start out with My Hope is Built. Let's sing that together. study has been turning our eyes on Jesus and making his vision our vision for our lives. Let's sing together, Be Thou My Vision. Be 
forgiveness. Um, but if you look like you're a good-sized crowd, turn and greet someone near you. And children, we invite you to come up to the front. Good morning. Yeah, it does. It is a puppet. It's good to see you guys this morning. I like it when I get a chance to sit down and talk to you. This one I want to tell you about um, something kind of cool. What do you think this is again? What did you think this was? Go ahead. A lion puppet. Let me show you. And I'm very excited that you knew what it was because, you know, when you make something, you just don't know if somebody's going to know what it is. But this is my lion puppet. And did you know that there are lions in the Bible? Yeah. Did you know that there were lions in the Bible? And lions, are lions, um, are they really nice, like kitty cats, or are they kind of what? Mean. They're kind of mean. They're kind of loud, and they growl. Can anybody growl? And they, and they can kill you. Yeah. Well, there are lions in the Bible. Wow. You know a lot about lions. In the Bible, there's um, a story about lions. That's okay. And his, um, there's a guy in the, in the story, and his name is Daniel. And Daniel loved God so much. And he wanted to pray to God all the time to tell God how thankful he was and to talk to God. But the king, there was a king, and the king didn't like that. And he didn't think that was a good idea for Daniel to be praying to God all the time like that. And so he said, Daniel, if you do that one more time... I'm going to throw you in the lion's den. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was kind of selfish. And so Daniel said, you know what? Nothing's going to stop me from praying to my God. So he prayed to God. And you know what the king did? Threw him in the lion's den. He kept his word. He threw him in there. But Daniel wasn't afraid of those mean lions at all. You know why? When he got in there, he prayed to God again, and God shut the mouths of those lions and kept Daniel safe. And the next day, when the king went in there, he knew Daniel would be hurt or maybe even killed, but he wasn't. He was fine, and all the lions were right there. Let me read you this poem that I got out of a book. It says, As Daniel was thrown in the den all alone, the lions all hoped for a bite. God heard Daniel's prayer. He rescued him there and shut all the lions' mouths tight. <laughs> Let's say a prayer together. Close your eyes for me. I bet, I bet the lions got, went like, I think God has thrown up. Maybe. Maybe they did. All right. Let's close our eyes and say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for protecting us the same way that you protect Daniel with the lions. Help us to pray to you no matter what, then keep our faith very strong. In your name I pray. Amen. And now all together. We, we are on way. Okay. Mm. <laughs> That's a little traveling music there. That's what. <laughs> we 
we welcome you to this service. We're glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. It's a joy to have you here, and we hope that you will want to come back very often to worship with us. Uh, we have our weekly Methodist communion, you know, which is coffee and donuts, and you're welcome to uh, help yourselves to that as you come and also uh, spend some time afterwards looking around if you'd like to. The Sunday school is at 10 o'clock following this service. All the children's classrooms are in this building, the younger ones on the lower floor, the older ones and teenagers on the upper floor. Adult classes, some upstairs here, a few over in the uh, other buildings. Uh, you're welcome to wander over and look in our sanctuary or look around the buildings. Uh, grab one of us and we'll walk over with you and, and show you around. We'd like to make you feel at home here with us, so hope that you will stay around. 11 o'clock is our traditional worship service, and you're invited to stay for that as well. We want to give you an opportunity to share any prayer concerns that you might have, and so our ushers will now come forward with uh, index cards to hand to you, and you please write some, raise your hand first so they'll know where you are to give you a card. And then uh, write something you don't mind me sharing, and we will join you in a prayer for whatever is heavy on your heart or something that you're thinking about in these days. We also have our registration of attendance pads uh, that will be going around. And again, we remind you that it would uh, be a great help to us if you'd put down an email address so we can uh, be in touch with you when we have some news of an emergency nature to, to pass on to you. The youth will have their back-to-school bash, and this year it is going to be here in this field right out here at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, if you've never participated in the back-to-school bash, let me just simply say that it generally ends with the need for a hose pipe to rinse off the young'uns, and uh, this will probably not be any ex exception Andy is the one who generally needs uh, rinsing off the most, but it's a lot of fun, and we invite our teenagers to be here at 6 o'clock tonight for that. The Bible study for the women, this is the last night, and I believe I heard y'all are meeting elsewhere. Are you meeting at Fuddruckers? Here first. Okay, come here first. Okay. Um, nominating committee meets at 5.30 tonight. Staff parish at 6.30 Council on Ministries at 7.30, bedtime is 11. Let's see, um, Lee had some announcements to make. Great, thank you. Let me, uh, let me share one other business of the house, I guess I would say, let you know where we are on something and uh, uh, ask your prayerful and uh, active help on it as well. Um, for years and years, this church has had a nursery during its worship services organized by volunteers and staffed by volunteers. It never has been a staff member's job. Uh, this last year, we've had great difficulty because the very faithful volunteer nursery coordinator that we had for about three years completed her three-year duty and rotated off and is getting a nice, well-deserved rest. We have not had anybody as our nursery coordinator this year because nobody wanted the job. 
Um, so we, that's one of the reasons we have difficulty with our nursery. We don't have anybody lining it up. It really isn't uh, my job or Kelly's job or Lee's job to do this. This is a volunteer position, and so we need some help with this. We're looking into several possible solutions in our nursery. Uh, one is if we could get a volunteer coordinator to line up volunteers, that's the best way. Uh, we may just end up looking and seeing the names of all y'all that like our nursery and need our nursery and assigning you a date. That seems to be the way most churches do that. Um, the other thing we are looking into the possibility of doing is hiring someone to stay in the nursery. I've talked with the other churches in our area and they're having to consider the same thing because guess what? They've got our same problem. Um, they can't keep nursery workers either. And they told me, good luck, Arthur. Good luck finding somebody to hire. We haven't been able to find someone. So uh, the downtown churches are working together <laughs> on this problem as well. So keep this in your prayers and uh, be patient with us as we try to work on this. Uh, but remember, this is a volunteer uh, nursery, volunteer army, and we need your help on that. And now as the prayer cards have been assembled, I'll have one more announcement as they uh, lift them up so they'll know where you are to collect your prayer card. Today is a day in the United Methodist Church when we are taking up a special offering for Aldersgate Ministry. And you got one of these passed to you earlier uh, this morning. If you would like to make a special donation this morning to the Aldersgate Home Ministry, Aldersgate Homes are to adult, uh, thank you, adult uh, retarded citizens, uh, mentally challenged citizens, what nursing homes are to the elderly. Uh, it is a place where uh, we're trying to provide some housing for adults who are not able to care for themselves. They do not need to be in a mental institution. They need to be somewhere they can function in society in some limited fashion. They just need a nice home environment. So uh, the Methodist Church is trying to be one of the agencies that steps into that uh, void and helps establish some of these even as we helped start some nursing homes 40 and 50 years ago. So uh, please share, uh, give to that today as you, as you can. Any other prayer cards? Well, let us bow our heads and join our hearts in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these that have come with joy and happiness, and it is a joy to be in the presence of Jesus. We see as we read scripture that people came with enthusiasm and running and excitement wherever they knew they might find Jesus and he might teach them and love them. And we're thankful for the places that we can come on Sunday and we can be in the presence of Jesus. And so we come with that same sense of joy and excitement and anticipation for we come to hear your voice and to feel your love and to receive your encouragement. And we give you thanks for this opportunity today. And these are our special prayers for today. We pray for a family that's going through a time of separation we pray for troops in harm's way. We pray for their families and loved ones. 
We pray for Jack and Beverly as they bury their daughter today. We pray for all the college students returning to school this week that God will fill them with his love and guidance. We pray for a son, Ted, recently diagnosed with cancer. We pray for a friend's five-year-old daughter who is diagnosed with lymphoma. And we pray for healing and comfort for Carl Reinick and Mike Berg. These are our prayers through Jesus Christ who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, back from two recent mission trips, about to get covered with shaving cream tonight, here's Andy. Good morning. Try not to trip over the cord. Uh, as Arthur said, I am back from two mission trips, and uh, after the first mission trip to South Dakota, I spoke on that mission trip. Today, I'm going to speak on another topic. By show of hands, how many of you watched the opening ceremonies Friday night? All right, was it not spectacular? I mean, it was something else. I, you should have seen Caroline and Eli's faces. Eli's jaw dropped, and he just oohed and awed and pointed, and, and I told her about uh, how this is the... Um, yeah, it's hard to see here, but this is the bird's nest, and it's China's national stadium. And it's really kind of an odd abstract design or whatever, and Caroline had a little bit of trouble. Where's the tree? She didn't quite. So she calls it the tree's nest, and they enjoyed it so much that they woke up Saturday morning. Can we see more of the tree's nest? Guess what Caroline said as soon as she got out of bed. So uh, we watched it again on Saturday morning. Um, I love the Olympics. I like the spirit of competition that, that comes uh, with the games. I like the spirit of unity worldwide, it seems. I know there's a lot of issues and political issues surrounding these games, but still there's this sense of, of unity and sharing of cultures, and, and I really like seeing that. I like watching games that I normally wouldn't watch, like fencing. I mean, we took the women yesterday, took you know bronze, uh, silver, and gold medals uh, for the U.S. I like watching the um, different athletes and how – they take such pride in representing the nation where they're from and the culture that they're from. And, and I like watching our athletes as well and, and how well that we seem to do in these games. But as I was watching, I was thinking, and I've been thinking uh, leading up to these Olympics, that Paul in the New Testament really likes to use the analogy of athletics when he's talking about the Christian life and, and our journey as Christians. And so I thought it would be a good idea, since the Olympics have just started, to take a look at one of those uh, passages that really has a lot of analogies that have to do with athletics, and in particular, uh, games. Um, and uh, our passage is 1 Corinthians 9, that we'll be taking a really close look at today. Um, but we'll re go ahead and read it now so we're familiar with it. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. 
No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Now, the games that Paul is referring to here are called the Isthmian games. And they're no longer held, but back then they would have been held every two years. Once the year before the Olympics and once the year after the Olympics. And yes, the Olympics really are that old. Our modern games have just been going on for a little over 100 years now. But they've been doing these types of, of, of games uh, between cross-cultural uh, nations and whatnot for a long, long time. And the Isthmian Games were very important because, as I said, they were held the year before the Olympics. So you would come to those games and scope out your competition. Who are you really going to be competing against the next year in the Olympics? And this would have, uh, um, the Corinthians that Paul was writing to would have certainly known about these games. And we don't know exactly the date that Paul wrote this letter. It may well have been that these games were going on when he wrote this letter. And so there was a real life um, analogy or illustration playing out before them. And that's what Paul wanted to take advantage of. Um, the games would have included, uh, the cool thing about the Isthmian games is, is that they were just weren't weren't athletic games alone. They had chess and all kinds of other games involved, uh, mental games and intellectual games as well. But um, they certainly would have included racing, uh, or running, marathons, boxing, um, and all the, the track and field events that you would expect in the modern games today. Um, but uh, one thing that we always need to do when we approach a passage is look at the context, and so we need to address that first. And the the verse right before our passage for today says this, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Now what does Paul mean by I do all this? I mean this is a pretty good summary verse right here, but what is all this he's talking about? So if you look at the entirety of chapter 9, which I encourage you to do in your own time, you'll see that Paul begins by saying he has many freedoms as a Christian. He's free to do things like eat meat and sacrifice to idols without having a, you know, an unclear conscience. He can do that. He's free to eat unclean foods. He's not under Jewish law anymore. Christ has set him free. And he says, even though I have those freedoms, I choose not to exercise them so that I might not become a stumbling block to those who are weak or young in the faith. And then he goes on and he says, even according to the law of Moses, I'm entitled to get paid for what I do for the kingdom of God. I'm entitled to get paid for my missionary efforts and for my preaching and my teaching. He says, but I don't accept pay. I won't let you support me financially. And as the other writings that we have from Paul indicate, he's a tent maker. He's bivocational. He has a part-time job and he supports himself. So that nobody in an argument or trying to make a point against Paul can say, oh, well, he just does it for the money. And so... He kind of ends right before this verse by saying, I become all things to all men. I'm a Jew to a Jew. I'm a Gentile to a Gentile. I'm weak to those who are weak. I'm free to those who are free. I'm a slave to those who are a slave. I become all things to, to all men so that I might save some. That's his purpose, is saving some. He does all of that, denying himself, sacrificing himself, his, his God-given rights and his rights that he's found in Christ so that he may share in the blessings of the gospel. That's why he does it. And after this little discussion about all the things that I could do but don't so that I might spread the word of God more clearly and, and more abundantly, he's, he says, here's a good analogy. It's kind of like this. You know about the games. And so let's take a look more closely at our passage verse by verse. 
And our first verse is verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Two things I notice about this verse, or that make me, this verse makes me think about two things. And the first one is, Paul assumes that we are in a race. There's no room for spectators in this verse. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. No mention of spectators. We are in a race. And that race is the Christian faith. It's the Christian life. We are in a race already. Now, some of us may be exhausted. Some of us may still be stretching. Some of us, if you remember the old cartoon where Wally Cody just kind of spins in circles while the roadrunner gets away, maybe that's kind of how we run. Some of us are nearing the finish line. We can see it. It's in sight. Victory's in sight. Um, Whatever the case, some of us may be, you know, sitting by the water cooler taking an extended break or on the side of the road wondering if we're going to get up and be able to finish this race. Whatever the case, we're in the race. Whether we're actively running or not, that may be a different question, but we're in a race. And Paul says to run, get up, run, so as to win the prize. Second thing that this verse makes me um, think about is, what is the prize that we're running for? Most people often assume, and I've heard it taught from this passage, as a matter of fact, that, well, the prize that we're running for and what we're running for here is our relationship with Christ or eternal life. And I don't think that's quite the case. I mean, that's an important part of our life as Christians. But in the context, what is Paul talking about? The race that he's running is for others' souls. He's running so that he might bring other people into the grace and love of Christ, into a a redemptive relationship with Christ. He's running to further the kingdom of God, not to improve his relationship. He's not running for Christian maturity. That's not what he's been talking about this whole time. So that would be a switch to assume that in, in, in in our way of thinking. No, he's running for the souls of others. And so his trophy, what he wants, what his aim is, is to bring others to Christ. That's why he runs. And that's why we too should be running. Verse 25 says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. Once again, two things about this verse that strike me. The first is, is that Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. And I think what Paul is asking or Paul is telling us is, is to be in shape. And are we in shape for the race? I mean, you think about the Olympic Games and all that those athletes go through. They know every calorie that they put into their body. They're on strict diets to help them perform at their peak, at their maximum. And, you know, uh, in today's society, unfortunately, there's the issue of performance-enhancing drugs And the Olympic Committee has very strict standards about that stuff. We've seen that in Major League Baseball and other sports here in America. But these athletes are trying to get the edge. They are are working day in and day out. They're depriving themselves of sleep so that they might train. They're training on a certain schedule, and they're drinking power shakes and everything. I mean, they are really watching what's going into their bodies and how they're doing it. They are exercising self-control in all things. They are not overindulgent in anything. Because you can't eat whatever you want and have a merry time drinking whatever you want and then go out and run a marathon. You just can't do that. And so they, are, they have to, with the rest of their lives, bring it under control so that they might really compete when they get in the race. And I think that that's where that Christian maturity 
that we were talking about a minute ago comes into play is when we're getting in shape for the race. We can't expect to have great evangelistic efforts if our lives are not under control, if we are not exercising self-control in all things. Because the biggest problem in the church today, or at least from the outside community's point of view, is, is that it's full of what? Hypocrites. That's what everybody says. And that's people who say one thing and do another. So we need to be exercising self-control in all things and going the extra mile like Paul did to make sure that nobody can, has, a, has a leg to stand on if they're going to argue against us on moral grounds. So exercise self-control in all things. Are we in shape for the race? The next thing is that um, we are working for an eternal prize. All right, These games, uh, the Isthmian games that Paul would have been referring to, the crown that you got or that you received, the wreath was made out of olive branches, much like what, I don't know if y'all remember, in 2004 at the Olympics, along with the gold medals, they put the, the wreaths around their head. Well, that's, you know, now theirs maybe may have made of something else, but back then this would have perished. It would have dried up and withered, and it would have, wouldn't have lasted 20, 30 years max if you tried to keep it, um, you know, well uh, kept and, and out of sunlight or whatever, but it would have faded away, and it would not have held the significance as long. Our prize is eternal. What we run for, the souls of others, furthering the kingdom of God is eternal. What a sweet day when we get to heaven and realize the impact that we've had through our prayers, the seeds we've planted, and that other people are there around us because of our efforts, because of the race we ran. And so that in itself ought to be enough motivation for us to really get up and run this race. Our prize is eternal. It will never fade away and always bring joy. Verse 26 says, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. And then you can see the pattern. I've got two things I want to say about this verse as well. Um, and the first of those is that we've got to have a strategy. Paul says I run as one not without aim. And I think when we're talking about strategy as far as evangelistic efforts goes, we tend to, and when I say we, I mean most Christians tend to look at it as a sprint and then sit. Look at, I, I've went on two mission trips this summer. I look at that as kind of a sprint. You go off somewhere and you put all of your energy into evangelism and, and reaching others and, and talking to others about Christ and leading others and showing people, uh, others, the ways of Christ and what he wants, you know, that he loves them and then he... He wants to be in a relationship with them. And you do that for a week and then you get, oh, whew, I'm home. Now I can just kind of relax. Pace is a big part of our strategy. We have to remember that the race goes on all the time. It's seemingly never ending. And that we lose a lot if we're just sprinting a couple of times a year. And I'm preaching to me here. Because the real race is when we get home. Because every day you and I encounter someone who needs to be in a loving relationship with Jesus. Who needs to be told they're loved. Who needs to be shown the grace and mercy of Christ. Who needs to, to receive forgiveness. But are we in the race right then? Do we realize it? And so we can plan. And that's good for us to plan mission trips for the future and whatnot. But if we're not actively involved in evangelistic efforts in our own lives right now. That's really not the way to go because right now, this afternoon, the race is going on. We're running it. But are we actually paying attention to where we're running or are we running aimlessly? 
So we must have a strategy. And the strategy may involve somebody you don't even know. that you just At first, you're an acquaintance. They just come across your path. And you realize that they need the love of Christ. And then the strategy then becomes, well, let me get to know them a little bit better. And then there's friendship. And then there's a, a deep relationship where you can share your faith with them. And then, and then eventually you can bring them to church or share the gospel story with them or whatever. And that may be the strategy. Pace is important. Slow and steady wins the race. Tortoise versus the hare. You can't sprint and expect to do, do a great job of winning the race. The second thing is, is Paul says, I box in such a way as not beating the air. And what he's talking about is like shadow boxing, you know. Um, not, not sparring. He says, I bo- uh, box in such a way as not beating the air. And y'all have all probably seen it. Uh, in the Isthmian games that we're talking about here, there, there was mixed martial arts, believe it or not. And so um, you often do moves without an opponent in front of you or even without a boxing bag. And even boxers sometimes shadow box or they box an imaginary partner and imagine moves and that sort of thing. And Paul says that we don't have time for that because we have a very real opponent. These people that we're trying to reach, the souls that are our prize, that we're trying to win for the kingdom of God, other things are trying to win them too. Science, other religions... Satan is active, and he's actively pursuing this. So when Paul says that this is a competition, he's not talking about between me and you. He's talking about between the church, the body of Christ, and the world. The souls are out there. They're available. And we're in a race. And we need to be running. And we need to realize we have a very real opponent. We don't have time for, for hitting at the air. It's kind of like on-the-go training or on-the-job training. You just got to get in there. When you become a Christian, you're thrust into the race. So we have a very real opponent. Then the last verse in our passage, Paul says, No, I don't do any of those things. I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, I love it because the Greek words here literally refer to black and blue under the eyes. And Paul is saying, I am black and blue for the gospel. All these things that he has done, denying himself his rights, living in poverty sometimes, traveling on in 365 days a year, everything that he's done is, is beat him up. He, he, he makes himself black and blue and makes his body his slave so that he might bring others to Christ. Now it takes a lot of recognition to the fact that you realize that this is a perishable body. And he's wearing his out for the sake of the gospel, for the kingdom of God in this life, because he knows about the eternal rewards in the next. And I think that this is something that's a little bit foreign to us in American churches, is to literally hurt. And this comes in many forms. This comes in, you know, uh, weeping over the lives and the souls of others, someone you may know. Uh, and losing sleep, and all the efforts to where we are weary at the end of the day. When was the last time you said, man, I am tired of evangelism. I'm tired of sharing this gospel. It doesn't happen that often. Maybe on our mission trips. But at the end of a day, if we're in the race, we've got to be running in such a way, and we've got to treat our bodies in such a way that, that we've got to get this prize. There are people out there who need Jesus Christ, and we are, the body of Christ, the church of Christ, are the ones who have to be spreading that word. And so we need to be running this race so as to obtain the prize. 
get tired for the gospel. So, hopefully, as you watch the Olympics over the next couple of weeks, you'll have this small reminder in the back of your head of, hey, I'm in a competition too. I've got games going on in my life. And when I say games, I do not mean that this is, um, you know, meaningless. Uh, And I don't think Paul meant that either. Uh, But that we're in a race too. And so as you watch the track and field events, think about what the runners go through and think, man, have I ever trained like that to share the gospel? Or have I ever ran so hard to share the gospel? And so as you think about it, I hope that this will, will help you to remember that you too are, are in that race and that your prize will be eternal and it will be knowing that you share in the glory of all those you've helped bring into relationship with Christ those you've prayed for and maybe even never met, and those that you've had personal relationships with and trudged through hard times with them to show them the love of Jesus. On your mark, get set, go. At this time, prepare your hearts for worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. This is one you don't have to stand for but the words will be on the screen so if you'll sing Whoa. 
invite you to stand as together we join in the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed that is printed there on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. forth this week and run the race with victory, knowing that Christ runs every step with you. Amen. And God will praise you all.
Have a great week. See you next Sunday.